He supplieth every need. While I sit and learn at Jesus' feet, I am free as free indeed. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half has never yet been told. I have found the pleasure I once craved. It is joy and peace within. What a wondrous blessing. I am safe from the awful gulf of sin. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory.
David rebuilding a template of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as wide in the world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. There is no God like Jehovah. 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 There's no God like Jehovah comes lighting on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, so lift your voice. It's a year of jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. We know that you're coming, Lord, and coming soon. Hallelujah. Majesty. Worship His majesty Unto Jesus Be all glory, honor, and praise Majesty Kingdom authority
you. Praise you, mighty God. Hallelujah. Splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice All the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. Oh, see how great, how great is our God. stand and time is in his hand beginning and the end beginning and the end the God had three in one Father, Spirit and Son the Lion and the Lamb the Lion and
Jesus, you are mighty, Lord. Hallelujah. Say his name, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. I came to worship you. I came to sing your praise. I came to love you, Lord. Your holy name to raise. Sing hallelujah. thank you that we can praise you personally and Lord that we can call upon you as my Lord I thank you Lord that you are my Lord and Savior and we all each of us can do that Lord you are a personal Lord and Savior and Lord I thank you for what that means in our lives I thank you for the privilege that we have as being called by your name 
to be a part of your family, to serve you here right now on this earth. And Lord, just to be able to be your church, to bring the good news into this world. And Lord, I thank you that you've entrusted the work of your kingdom to your church, to your people. And Lord, I praise you that you're a God that not only watches over us and cares for us, but equips us. You, you know the future. You hold the future in your hand. Lord, and what a privilege to be, to be a servant of the Most High. Lord, we praise you today. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, for your sovereignty over man. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Hallelujah. We didn't pray earlier, but I'd like to just take a moment to pray for, for Stephen, uh, Stephen and Wanda. Uh, Stephen, Stephen's in the hospital this morning uh, with heart problems, cardiac issues. Um, not sure what all is going on, but <clears throat> we just want to hold him up this morning. Uh, uh, Wanda's there with him this morning. And to just uh, pray that God would watch over and protect him. So let's pray. Father, I thank you. I praise you, Lord God, that you are our healer. And we hold up Stephen, Lord, this morning. I pray that right now in the hospital room that you would go and be there with him. May your Holy Spirit be manifest in his life, in that room. Lord, to just strengthen him, to encourage him, to lead and guide the hands of the doctors, Lord, but most of all to sustain his life. Lord, we just would look forward to a good report of what has been done, what's been found, Lord. And we just leave him, his life, in your hands this morning. Be there, Lord, to strengthen and encourage him and his family, Wanda. Lord, we praise you, we thank you that we can come to you in times like these, in needs, even when... <clears throat> We as in person cannot necessarily go or be there uh, because of this virus, but we know that your spirit, your spirit's not bound by any means because of this virus. And so, Lord, we just would believe right now for your presence with him to encourage him, strengthen him, and heal him. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know that saying, a dollar a day late and a dollar short? Well, this morning we were a, a file a week old <laughs> that I opened. And so we were having troubles keeping up with you this morning, dear, because you were on a different page. But it was my fault because we were on last week. Cause I knew I typed that up and I knew it. And then in, when I further progressed, I realized. I did tell him what M page to go to. But it, it just went downhill, so. So anyway, <clears throat> I apologize for uh, the confusion there. It took a little while to get on the right <laughs> page <laughs> in the right file on the right day. So, But God is good despite 
our um, uh, shortcomings anyway. This morning I want to spend uh, our time here <coughs> talking about um, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And as far as what that looks like um, and as far as what we can do as far as um, needing to uh, be a part of it. Because I think <coughs> uh, we're going to look at it. There's different aspects of it. Um, and, and this idea of citizenship, you know, being a, part of a citizen of a country. And I was, in studying for this, I, was, I did a little research about dual citizenship, you know, here on this earth with, with the, you know, our natural world. And it said two-thirds of the world's countries allow dual citizenship. That's not a real, necessarily a real uncommon thing, but there's a lot of different rules that apply to different, with different countries. Um, and uh, there's the, the top ten countries here that, that came up on this list uh, starts out with Canada, and it is they do recognize dual citizenship. You can have a Canadian citizenship, and you can have an American, <coughs> excuse me, citizenship. Just that simple. China, different situation. You naturalize to the United States, you you lose your uh, your Chinese citizenship. You you can't have. Uh, any other citizenship except the Chinese. Um, Cuba, uncertain. Some, there's just a lot of mixed uh, information about Cuba. Dominican Republic, definitely yes. However, if you do that, if you have a dual citizenship, you can't vote. You can't ever be a president or, or uh, running an election like that. You give that up, but you can still have the dual citizenship. Uh, El Salvador, you can, no, no questions asked. India, sort of. It, uh, you you uh, can still keep your Indian citizenship, but they give it a new name. It's an overseas citizen of India. And um, you can receive multi-entry permanent visas, uh, and they're exempt from registration as foreign nationals. And they're entitled with all the rights of non-resident Indians, but have no political rights in India. So it's complicated. You sort of do, but not really so. Mexico, yes, a lot like Canada. You just you have you can have dual citizenship. Um, the Philippines, uh, you lose your citizenship, but you may reply or re call uh, or reapply to get it back. So there's just a, a big uh, variance, and this is just a few countries. When you start thinking about dual citizenship and all the rules that apply, and then as I was talking or thinking about this and studying for this, uh, you know, I, thinking about, you know, this, the kingdom of God and being a king, part of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Um, you know, we, we are a citizen of a different kingdom. We don't necessarily, at least here in this country, think of <coughs> being as a United States citizen as being 
part of a kingdom. But it, it carries the same idea. A country, a nation, a kingdom um, is, is the same uh, thing. But as th there's a little bit of mixed uh, thought or ideas or uh, understanding that we need um, about the kingdom of God in that in talking about the kingdom of God um, as something that we should anticipate and also something that we have current access to here and now. So when you talk about being a part of the kingdom of God, even in that there's a little bit of difference. There, there, there's two ways or two aspects of thinking about that. For example, in Matthew 6.10, invites us to pray that God's kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, you know we know that as the, the Lord's prayer. And so, you know, we, we're taught to pray that God's kingdom will come. Um, and then this text just reminds us that things are not as the way that they should be, that they ought to be. Yet, we can look in Luke 17:21 and learn that the kingdom of God is in our midst. Now, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And so there's that aspect of the kingdom yet to come, God's kingdom, and there's also the aspect of God's kingdom that is within us right now, you know, that we're a part of. And at times, I think we struggle with how this dual definition of the kingdom of God affects our lives. You know, how, when we're living our daily lives, how does that, how do we deal with that? <clears throat> Should it make a difference in how we live or what we do or we just look for it to come? Or, you know, what, what is it here? And so, in some degrees, it's maybe more complicated in this dual citizenship I was talking about earlier with, you know, natural countries and what citizenships are allowed there. Um, so how can we both anticipate God's kingdom coming, but also know that the kingdom is in our midst? And sometimes we, we have to work through that. But we do know that this is possible because God's kingdom is God's reign. God is in control over the, the whole picture. <clears throat> he's sovereign and at the work and he's at work in our world redeeming humanity now. That's, that's the, where we're at, the church age. What's also true is that at a future time his work will be finished with Christ's return and the subsequent renewal of all creation. And that's being part of God's kingdom it's yet to come. And we can even think about it <clears throat> as far as eternity. You know, when we step into eternity and we take on a completeness and a wholeness that we don't even understand now what that does with being a part of God's kingdom. Because that will, that will change not only us, but ultimately what's going to happen down the road. <clears throat> so my main point this morning... My emphasis, the thought I want to work around this morning is that a Christian's life 
will be best live in the reality of the nearness of the kingdom of God. Right now, that the kingdom of God is near. And this will help us to live our life best and most effectively if we understand the nearness of the kingdom of God. It should make a difference in the way in which we live, conduct, business, every aspect. If we understand the kingdom of God is near and we are a part of it right now. So let's look at a couple things to help embrace the kingdom of God. And, and, I, uh, and I do want to focus on the nearness of the kingdom of God right now, where, where we live right now, not what's to come or uh, you know, that aspect of the kingdom of God. But I think as we embrace this idea of the nearness of the kingdom of God, it will help us to live a life that is pleasing to God in, in, in our present day. So when Jesus had been baptized, he had been tempted by Satan in the desert. John the Baptist had been in prison. Text scripture says that Jesus began to preach. Those kind of things were all kind of all put in order and he began to preach in in Matthew 4 and verse 17. It says from that time on Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then in Mark 1.15, we have this account. It says, The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus, when he began his ministry, he began and he picked up with where John had left off. John the Baptist had that message of repent and be saved. You know, turn from their sin. And that was preparation for what Jesus was going to do. But there's something, you know, as, you were, um, as I was looking at this, if you, if you notice, if you look in your Bibles, if you look in the book of Matthew, you're going to see primarily the kingdom referenced there as the kingdom of heaven. There's a few references to the kingdom of God, but if you go into Mark and Luke, you're going to primarily see the kingdom of God, and that being where Matthew writing to the Jewish element, uh, the fact that it was very um, prohibited almost for them to speak of and say the word God, so they, he used the word heaven. But we're talking about the same thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, it's what Jesus began to preach and began to uh, bring the reality of the kingdom of God into the present for them. And although John the Baptist and Jesus had taught, and, and he, they taught it, said it very clearly, that the kingdom of God is near, many of the religious leaders of the time of that day could not see or comprehend that nearness. Literally, Jesus, the Son of God, stood in their very midst, and they could not see him. So how can they see Jesus and yet not see Jesus? I mean, he was standing right there. They dealt with him. They butted heads with him. 
you know, they're, they're, the, <clears throat> the relationship was there, but yet they could not see his true identity. It seems hard. It seems, you know, it would seem like that's a no-brainer. I mean, if this, you know, with what Jesus did and his authority by which he taught, people recognized, yet they couldn't see Jesus. Can that happen to us today? Can we miss Jesus? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it's very possible to miss him. Probably more so today than it was then when he was standing physically in their presence, speaking to these people, but they, they couldn't see him. And the reason they couldn't see him, because Jesus taught the kingdom is currently a spiritual kingdom within you. Present while we live in your present physical kingdom or nation. Kind of that kingdom within a kingdom or nation within a nation. You know, we are, I think all of us here, we can, I think we can all say we're U.S. citizens. But all, we're also citizens of heaven at the same time. So, you know, we have a dual citizenship. Whether you think about that or not. And if you, you know, if you plan to do any traveling, you know you, you, you especially today, you've got to have a passport. Even to go into Canada. When I grew up, we used to go up back and forth across the border in Canada. Just no big deal. We just had to check in and check out when we went and come and go. We used to go up there and go fishing a lot, my grandfather and, and uh, you know, and, and just, it was, we were close by. And, but <clears throat> nowadays it makes seemingly a much bigger importance. And, and so citizenship and where you're a citizen is quite important and either allows or limits you and where and what you can do. But in a nutshell, Mark 1.15 sums it up simply. Repent and believe. Without repentance and belief, the kingdom remains outside your understanding or comprehension. That's why the religious leaders could see Jesus physically, but they could not see him spiritually. They could not see him as the kingdom of God. They could not see who he was in reality. In Luke 17, 20 and 21, it says, Once, having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. And so this idea of being part of the kingdom of God takes a little understanding. We have to understand how we get to be a part of the kingdom of God, and that if we are a part of the kingdom of God right now, because it is within us, then what does that do to our lives? What, what does, it should make a difference in our lives, what we do, how we live, um, understanding that dual citizenship, and which has priority which, being a citizen of both kingdoms, does one have priority over the other one? 
So, if the kingdom of God is within you, obviously we're not going to see it by a natural, careful observation. Like Jesus had told the Pharisees because they were struggling with this whole thing. However, their, the fruit of its existence should be very visible. You know, we should act, live, talk differently because we are a part of the kingdom of God. So just like the religious leaders, many people do not find any reason to look for the kingdom of God now. People are not looking. They don't want God in their life. They don't want God in their world. And obviously, if that is their position, they are going to struggle with understanding the kingdom of God, especially the kingdom of God present now in their lives or the fact that they could have that <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians and, uh, one in chapter 1 and chapter 2, there's two verses that speak to this idea of, of what people believe about the kingdom. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. And then 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that, can, that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and they cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I think that would very, very accurately describe a lot of people in our world today that think anything of God is, is just plain foolish. Why would you believe? Why would you believe in some ancient old you know, story? And so it's foolishness to them. And it's not discernible because they haven't had that spiritual birth. So without repenting and believing the good news, establishing a personal relationship and, re and establishing a personal relationship, there is no spiritual rebirth. And so we live, we are living in a culture that does not want to know about God or His kingdom. God's being pushed out pushed out of the existence in the lives of the majority of the people living in our country. They don't want to be a part. They don't want dual citizenship. But in times like this in which we live right now, today, the things that are going on, and it seems like as you watch and things happen, there's almost no limit to the extremes of things that are being revealed and things that are happening happening in our world today. And given that circumstance in which we live, I think it's imperative that we live with the understanding of the nearness of the kingdom of God. That our lives, you know, God is near to us. We're not in this world and part of this world. We're a part of the kingdom of God. And as, you know, that, if that isn't a reality in our lives, we are going to, it's going to be hard to live our lives in a way that, is, that will honor God in that respect. So, it's very important that we, we, we live our lives in the nearness of the kingdom of God. God, because 
I believe Christ is going to return. He's going to return soon um, to this world and begin to correct and fix and work through a number of end time events. And we need to be prepared. And that, that is a part of being part of his kingdom of God. The other thing I want to talk about this morning is what is the kingdom of God like? <clears throat> you know, what, what do we, what, what do, if we're a part of the kingdom of God and it, it lives within us, what is it like? Is there anything in our natural world that helps us understand the kingdom of God? Because there are some definite difficulties in certain areas to, to really comprehend what that means for us when we say that. If we say we're a citizen of the United States, you know, we can go look up or we, we know as being citizens what most of the laws are that govern us. But do we know, do we understand what the kingdom of God is like in our lives? One of the things that as you look at this uh, idea uh, is the existence of the kingdom of God is so timeless. You know, it, it's, it, time doesn't seem to um, alter or cause any difficulties as far as being able to be in or not be, you know, part of the kingdom of God. How can a tax collector in Jesus' day hear the words spoken by Jesus and come to repentance and enter into the kingdom of God? And how can a 21st century millennial hear the good news preached and come to the repentance and enter into the kingdom of God? That seems difficult in, in a lot of ways when you try to justify that, how, how, how that can be. What we see written in the text, in the scripture, the Bible, and yet what happens today, we see that the same thing is, the, the same results are possible. But if we look at this, the most critical common denominator is Jesus and the good news he preached. That hasn't changed. Not going to change. Jesus is the answer, the way. John 10.10 10 speaks to this. Uh, beginning at verse 1, it says, I tell you the truth, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. And then if you jump down to verse 7, it says, Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who enter come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to him. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Jesus says this different ways in different places. Uh, he says it here this way. Jesus simply has said in other places that I am the way, 
No one comes to the Father except through me. So it's it's very it's very clear. It's very simple that this timeless nature of of how people in Jesus' day that heard him speak, and people in our day or even yet to come, can hear the same words, same message, and are saved the same way, and become a part of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is the centerpiece of the kingdom of God, both now and then. And that's not ever going to change. One of the things that Jesus always did that helps, and it helps here, is Jesus taught in parables. He used natural stories or or could relate spiritual things to natural things that help people to understand. And there's a couple parables that Jesus used to help understand or help to be able to um, know how to embrace this kingdom of God and how we can be a part of it. One of these, the first of these, is the parable of the seed growing in Mark 4 and verses 26 through 29. And Jesus said... This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the seed produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And that's how one way that Jesus talked about or described the kingdom of God and what it was like. This parable teaches about the supernatural character of God's kingdom. Man's responsible for sowing the kingdom message, but only God can produce a harvest. Ultimately, it's totally his doing. And so the kingdom of God is God's kingdom. I mean, he's in control of it. We have a part in it, and that's that part of bringing that message or the seed, seed whether it was planted in Jesus' day or seed that's planted in our day. It's still seed, and it's still going to bring forth the harvest that God intended. The other parable is the parable of the mustard seed in Mark uh, 4, 30 through 32. So Jesus goes from one parable right into the other one, back to back. And he said, What shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the greatest of all garden plants, with which, with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. That's how Jesus, another way that Jesus describes the kingdom of God. This parable speaks of the destined greatness and contrasting it to the early uh, insignificance of it in a a small band of original followers with worldwide dominance when Christ returns. It's going to grow into a great plant. It's going to grow into a great kingdom. 
But that's happening right now. It's growing right now because we are a part of it. It's within us. Excuse <laughs> me. But both of these parables illustrate God's work, God's work in His kingdom, and the growth that's continually happening. But if we're not careful, we don't. If we don't realize we're part of the kingdom now, we don't. We don't realize it. We don't think about us being a part of the kingdom of God. That we are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And it's easy to overlook that aspect and, and, not, and miss what we should be focusing on, what we should be doing, what we should be thinking about, and why we should be thinking about it. For myself, living in, in our modern day, and the things we talk about, the things we do, that don't always remind me about the kingdom of God that I'm a citizen of right now. The kingdom that's within me. It's easy to to let that or have that forced to the background because of issues, things we're do, things we're thinking about, jobs, family, you know, uh, just a lot of circumstances. It takes a concentrated effort to keep the reality of the nearness of God's kingdom a reality in life. And, and it's, uh, it's a challenge, I think, for all of us to understand that. In Ephesians 2 and verses 19 through 22, um, there's another description. It's spoke of a little differently, but it speaks about the citizenship Beginning at 19, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So if you understand the present context of that, that we are being built into, now this is happening right now. We are being built into the kingdom of God because the kingdom is near, the kingdom is within us, but it's a spiritual kingdom. So we are a part of the kingdom of God right now, but we are also citizens of the United States. Um, but yet there's an aspect of this kingdom of God that is yet to come, that is different than what we experience right now. But we have to experience the kingdom of God, the nearness of it right now, or we aren't going to enjoy, or we aren't going to be able to participate in the kingdom that is to come. We, we have to embrace the repent and believe the good news in order to be a part of the kingdom of God that's within us. Otherwise, we find ourselves like the Pharisees. Jesus is standing in front of us and we can't see him. We don't understand, we don't comprehend because this kingdom and God's teaching and the kingdom aspect now, like Jesus said, it's spiritually discerned. 
So it's very important that our lives have that, that very real element of spiritual discernment, the spiritual birth, the relationship with Christ, uh, so that we can be a part of the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God right now. Because if we are, if we're in that place, it becomes very tangible for you and I. It's not just something intellectual. It's not the part of the kingdom that is yet to come. It's, it should, it, it, it's part of our lives right now. It's the part of our life that should dominate the rest of our world. Because like what I just read in Ephesians, it says that we are no longer foreigners or aliens from God's kingdom, but now we are fellow citizens with God's people. And so we have to embrace that because, you know, I mean, maybe this, maybe this is just my thinking and maybe it's a little not understandable for you, but, you know, we can, as U.S. citizens, we can go get a passport that validates that we are, I mean, obviously, you've got to prove that you are to get it. But with that passport, you can do a lot of things. It's an important document. But we can't go get a passport for God's kingdom. You know, we, we can't go get something tangible like that that says, here, I'm, I'm a, a, a citizen of God's kingdom. The best we can do is live our lives to please God and let our fruit let our lives be the validation of the fact that we are a part of God's kingdom. Because it's, it is a different kind of a kingdom. But really, and I mentioned it earlier, I asked the question, which kingdom has priority? Which kingdom has more authority in our lives? In all reality, it's the kingdom we can't see. It's God's kingdom. Because that kingdom is eternal. That kingdom will remain. Our citizenship as U.S. citizens will end. Either end when we die and we leave this earth or something happened to the United States and you know the, the, the citizenship would end. But <clears throat> it again comes back to understanding the importance of knowing that we are a part of the kingdom of God. It's near, it's real. And so I, I encourage you in, in this thought this morning that a Christian's life will be best lived in the reality of the nearness of the kingdom of God. We can focus on what is to come, and, and that's great, and that's, there's an important aspect to that. But the, the nearness of the kingdom of God that's in us right now if we focus on that, then the kingdom that is to come will come on its own. We don't have to worry about that. We have to worry about this kingdom right now and doing God's work here. So be assured that the kingdom of God is near. And you are a part of the kingdom of God whether you feel like it or not. I mean, that's the rea reality of it. We have to 
uh, we have to enter into it. <clears throat> Otherwise, if we don't realize it, we won't be a part of it. And we're going to miss out on a lot of what God wants us to do. Because there's a lot of good things about being part of the kingdom of God. Right now. I mean, there's just, you know, His presence, His blessings, His grace, His mercy. You know, all of the things, all of the attributes that are present with the New Testament. You know, there's a lot of descriptive, tangible things that are a part of his kingdom right now. And your dual citizenship includes the kingdom of God. I mean, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe I should have asked. Maybe some of you have dual citizenships with some other country. I, I don't know. I assume not, <clears throat> but maybe you do. Maybe you've got three. Some people might have three or more. I don't know. Um, but the important one is the kingdom of God. So with it comes rights and privileges that are not available to any other citizens of any other country. So think about that. I encourage you today to think about that, that it's important that we, we, we embrace this idea or life just is going to go on <coughs> in the natural and, and we're going to miss out on so much of what God wants us to do and, and enjoy being a part of this kingdom of God. We're going to close the service in just a, a minute as far as the message, but we are going to have a time of <coughs> communion following uh, the message, and then there will be prayer time following that. So um, I just want to close here um, uh, the service in this, the message part of it. Um, now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So God bless you and have a, a great uh, a great week. And as we prepare to go to communion. Um, I just invite you to just uh, take a moment and, and think about what we're going to do. Because this, this communion that we celebrate, the communion that we are going to participate in, is a very real aspect, a tangible aspect of the, the kingdom of God, the present kingdom of God that, that we live in right now. So if you will hold your um, um, elements <clears throat> till they're all passed out, then we'll um, all partake in the uh, in the communion together.